Hey, witches. Hey, witches. So, I was watching Sabrina today, and I got up to season three, episode three-ish, or four, something like that. So, I have not fully caught up. I never finished season four. It is what it is. So, I wrote some very brief um, synopses of season one and season two, and also just a brief synopsis of the show. So, if you don't know... Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is a Netflix original show about a teenage witch living in Greendale who is half mortal and half witch, and she's orphaned and living with her aunties. She has, like, dual citizenship and goes to a mortal high school called Baxter High, and she also attends the Academy of Unseen Arts for Wizards and Witches and faces many different trials and tribulations being the unique witch that she is. And that's basically the basis of the show. It's based off of um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but it's also based off of Sabrina the Animated Series, which is also based off of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comics. And it's nothing like the comics. So Andrew was telling me, um, similar to Riverdale, which I've never seen, mm. it's based on the Archie comics. Like this it's the universe. same world. Yeah. So, I don't know anything about the Archie comics. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. uh, yeah. Um, but that is also a fact about the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, again, don't know anything about that. So, they do mention Riverdale a few times here and there mm-hmm. with that, throughout the series. Like, it's in passing. Um, the only thing I know about Riverdale is, like, murders happen there, I guess. Cole Sprouse Sprouse is in it. (laughs) So um, to preface this episode, if you've seen it, whether you're a witch or not, like there's obviously a lot of fantasy involved in this piece of media. That being said, this is one of the pieces of witchy media that I've seen that has like the most real world stuff in it. Like they talk about sabbats. um, They... I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is that they talk about different Sabbaths. Um, they also talk about different gods. They also reference a lot of biblical demonology things. A lot of research went into making this show. It is mostly fantasy. And <laughs> for the longest time, I was like, why do witches not like the show? Um, like, duh. It's because they their whole shtick in the show is that they worship the Dark Lord or satan and we get enough bad press seeing as everyone thinks witches or pagans are all devil worshipers and that's not helping with that but to me like that didn't even that went over my head because being raised the way i was like i don't know i was just like oh yep another portrayal of witches as devil worshipers like whatever like it didn't even occur to me that it was (laughs) so sabrina does not care for lucifer like whatsoever and i think that's important to note because Mm -hmm. she is the main protagonist and if i'm not mistaken if i remember this show correctly it's about her and her family and her 
colleagues or allies or whatever going against Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of them are just like, don't ask, don't tell. Right. Well, this is how we've always done it. It's tradition. And Sabrina is one to cross those traditional lines. Yeah, for sure. So the plot of season one is Sabrina is pushing back on her quote-unquote duty to sign the Book of the Beast at her dark baptism when she turns 16. She doesn't want to fully submit to the Dark Lord. Um, She wants to maintain her autonomy as a person, as a witch. She doesn't want to sign her soul over, which is basically what you do when you sign the Book of the Beast. Um, She also struggles balancing her mortal life with her witch life, and her mortal friends still don't know, like, that she's a witch, which is, like, a big plot point because that's half of her identity right there um her witchiness comes to light her mortal friends accept her for the most part there's a few issues here and there sabrina does end up signing the book of the beast in order to save the town from the wrath of victims of the greendale witch trials which there we go back to witch trials right yeah they were called the greendale 13 and the witches of the greendale community um, picked those 13 witches to like self-sacrifice to kind of save the rest of the coven to keep them secret and safe I don't think they were too happy about it though I don't think it was as self-sacrificey as they make it out to be um, and they kind of portray that in the last episode too so there's a lot that makes me question humanity um, like <laughs> Prudence, Dorcas, and the other one. Agatha. Agatha. With the hazing. Mm-hmm. And um Faustus. God. He's he's okay, so the high priest, Faustus, is pretty much the big bad for season one and season two, next next to Lucifer. Guess what? He ain't even bad. He ain't even bad. He's not all that. and He's a he's, baby. He ain't shit. And not the good kind of baby either. <laughs> not he, the Ziggy kind of baby. No, no, he's a... I don't like him. He's... Oh, I got issues with him. Well, I'm pretty satisfied with his fate as of right now in season three. Um, And also, sorry, if you came here for like a summary of the entire series, I'm so sorry. We Sorry, we can't do that. We don't have the time. Yeah, um, <laughs> I really watched so much of Sabrina and I still couldn't make it. But um, as far as synopses go, season two was way more engaging. Um, I know that in season one, they had to set up a lot of stuff and whatever. But um, in season two, Sabrina starts getting these crazy powers. Like she doesn't have to recite spells or do anything. And she's just like magic out of her fingers, pretty much. <laughs> And she finds out that the Dark Lord is her dad. And I keep calling him the Dark Lord because that's what they call him in the show. And I just I don't feel like, like Satan. You can Satan's... call him Lucifer. Take take away the Dark Lord. I don't I don't like him being the Dark Lord. Okay, okay. Um see. So yeah, she's Lucifer's daughter, and she's destined to be queen of hell. And obviously, like she's not Does for not this. Make sense because he's king of hell. And she shouldn't be queen of hell while he also has a throne. It doesn't make sense because, like, that's a bit incestual. 
Auntie, Auntie Zelda is like, um, what is he going to take a child bride? And this is before they know that she's his daughter. Um, which, like, yeah, they a queen is usually almost always is married to the king. They're not, it's not your daughter, that's the princess. And I don't think maybe they don't have a princess of hell. They make the title, create it. <laughs> Sabrina's like, not for this. Um, she is manipulated into heralding the apocalypse. She blows, um, I forget what it's called. She blows a horn of the apocalypse and nothing really comes of it because her and her friends, like her friends are in the loop and they saw some sigils with her friends, Roz sight power, which is called the cunning. I like her. She's probably one of my favorite characters. She's so good. Um, Roz saw the sigils that are needed to seal the gates of hell, which are in Greendale. So they went into the mines and put the sigils around the gates of hell and nothing, no one came out when they mines. blew the horn. Yeah, the, the mines. mines. Yeah. Oh my god, the mines. Is it coming back to you? There's a whole lot wrong with the mines and I don't like them one little bit. Theo's uncle, who was possessed Jesse. by the worm demon. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, did not like that episode creepy 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 gave me the heebie-jeebies all freaking day long yeah there's a couple scenes in the show that are actually like quite i don't want to say scary because they weren't scary to me but they might be scary to someone else there there's some unsettling creepy gross gross gory scenes in this yeah um it's dark yeah, it's dark. It's and it's called the chilling. It's chilling, <laughs> the chilling adventures of Sabrina. So, can we talk about season one, episode seven? In season one, episode seven, they have this um, feast that happens every year, right? Every year, I think so. And um, it's celebrated because um, once upon a time there was a really really harsh winter. And the Greendale witches didn't think they were going to survive. But um, one of the witches gave up her body to let the other witches consume so that they would survive through the winter. So it was cannibalism. And every year, um, a witch is kind of drawn, like, you know, in um, the Hunger Games where they, like, pick names out of a bowl. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of A witch is picked from uh the coven to give up her body to be eaten um and prudence which is one of the orphans at the academy who i really i really like prudence actually after season one she's less of a terrible person she's still pretty she has an ego she's i mean she's flawed i think all the characters are flawed in some way but um prudence is picked but the thing is is that she's like oh it's the dark lord's will it's the dark lord's will sabrina's like please don't get eaten for no reason that's stupid um but the thing is is that her adoptive mother which is the high priest's wife charmed the bowl that you like draw your name out of or whatever and made prudence be the one who got elected because she wanted prudence dead because she didn't want 
anyone else to have the claim over high priest or whatever except for her kid who she was bearing because she was currently pregnant with the high priest's twins it's very convoluted but they find that out pretty close to blackwood yeah the high priest yeah we find out later that prudence is in fact actually related to the high priest by blood and not just an orphan and it takes he they really have to twist his arm to get her to use the blackwood name he uses that to manipulate her more than a few times yeah and it's really sad because there's moments where you can see like she's wanting to do the right thing but like she wants her father's approval more so with sabrina being prophesized to be the queen of hell and she's like no they they go through a lot but at the end of it all sabrina's boyfriend nick scratch acts as a flesh prison essentially for lucifer um and lilith who we've been calling Miss Warpwell. Um, she takes up reigning over hell in Sabrina slash Lucifer's place. And she takes Lucifer slash Nick down to hell with her to keep him like chained up next to the throne to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. So yeah, it's a lot, but that season is really good. And I think honestly, you might be able to skip the first season maybe. I would say to watch the first season just because there's a lot of world building in it. Yeah. Like, the first season is still good. You get to learn the characters and shit like that. That's true. And there is, like, some intense things that happen with Sabrina's mortal boyfriend that, you know... Oh, my God. That end their relationship, essentially. What about um Salem the Familiar? I like the concept of how they do familiars in sabrina apparently when you turn 16 you can pick a familiar from a book um and that's what they were gonna have sabrina do but instead sabrina's like i don't want to do that that's boring so she goes to the woods and she kind of conjures or says a spell to manifest or call a familiar to her so that the familiar picks her and so she gets this black cat named Salem, and he's definitely around her more than everyone else's familiar is, because you barely see them, if at all. Auntie Hilda has spiders as her familiar, which I think is fun and unique, because she has multiple spiders, like several spiders. I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, at one point, Ambrose, who is Sabrina's adoptive cousin, is gifted a familiar by the high priest, um, which is a little mouse named Leviathan. Or Leviathan. Yeah. Um, the quote from the show, from Aunt Zelda, she says, familiars are goblins who have taken on the shape of animals to better serve their witch masters. We briefly went over familiars before uh, because of uh, the crucible. Mm-hmm. Familiars are animal companions to witches. They don't do witches' bidding. Um, they are merely companions. Uh, if you want to get into goblins, I love talking about folklore, and goblins are very much rooted in more in folklore rather than witchcraft. Even though 
witchcraft and folklore are very intrinsically interrelated this topic in particular leans a little more folkloric Mm -hmm. so if we wanted to do a specific folklore episode I'd be super into that yeah because then we could talk about like the fae and goblins slash hop goblins and things of that nature that's kind of I did write something about down about the familiars because uh I just thought it was strange that they chose like they chose familiars to be goblins like I I wonder I wondered why they chose goblins over I don't know something else like a spirit something else I wanted to talk about is in Chilling Adventures female or female presenting people who are born magical are called witches and the male counterparts are called warlocks, which is a gender-neutral word. No matter what gender you identify as, you are a witch. If a witch who is a man wants to ID as a warlock, like, that's none of my business. I'm not here to police how people identify. Isn't a warlock, like, an entirely different thing? So the word warlock means oathbreaker or traitor. It's generally reserved for, like, if you're in a coven, if someone were to break the rules of the coven or leave the coven they might be called a warlock but that is very much an old old practice also like people who leave the church and seem like sinful might be called a warlock but like i said like if there's a if you are a man who is a witch and prefer to be called a warlock like go off that's cool for you um, but which is a gender neutral term and um, I think a lot more people know that these days than before but still not everyone knows that so I did not I also I didn't write anything about the word wizard because they didn't they don't really use it in chilling adventures and I don't really hear it in the real world um, so I don't really know if you know anything about that word let me know if people use it I don't Wizard also seems like something completely different. Yeah, it may be. Um, I know that the verse in the Bible that talks about how witchcraft is bad, they use the word wizard. So there's that. But other than that, I don't know. I wrote down a few things about astral projection. This is such a vast topic that like, I don't... I only wrote down a little bit because I just wanted to cover like the very base things about it. Because it is in so many different religions and practices, and it's different in each of those religions and practices. So we could talk for a much longer time about it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to talk about like the very basis of what it was. And also, like, um, I found a really cool article on live science. Yeah, live science or live science. Um, talking about how like astral projection isn't proven what they could use it for if it was um studies that they have done with people who have astral projected things like that so what do you know about astral travel i will tell you what i think i know okay i believe it's done with a spell and your body stays present while your spirit 
goes elsewhere. You look like you're waiting for me to confirm or deny this. Yes. <laughs> um, so I don't know if there is a practice where you use a spell for it. There could be. I don't know of it. Speaking as a pagan, um, I know that people will use certain herbs or spell sachets. I know it's probably pronounced sachet. I don't care. Um, to like protect them while they are astral traveling, but mm-hmm. there's not really a spell done to astral travel. I have never done it. Um, I'm afraid of having sleep paralysis. So, mm. have you ever had sleep paralysis? No, but my dreams are very vivid. Mm. Um, I have. I think I'm like. 99% sure I've had sleep paralysis once but like I knew I was having sleep paralysis so I just kept my eyes closed because I felt like if I opened them something really scary was going to be in front of me the idea of astral projection has been around since ancient times like ancient Egypt if not before that um, your astral body is your spirit or your consciousness and that's separate from your physical body depending on the religion or the practice like Judaism Taoism whatever um the way your spirit is connected to your body differs like i think in judaism there is a silver cord but i also saw when i was reading about it that the silver cord represents the spine or maybe the silver cord comes from the spine question yeah do we consider the soul and the spirit to be the same thing um, I think that depends, like, that's different person to person. Okay. For for me, I think it's probably the same thing. I think your soul and your spirit, I think those are words are kind of interchangeable. The reason I ask is because, you know, I'm very fascinated in humankind. And mm-hmm. um, I was listening to a podcast, Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan. And they were talking about souls mm-hmm. and how back in the day, they thought that the soul rested in the place in the brain and that it was a physical part of your body. However, they've disproved that. But I thought it was interesting that almost every, if not all cultures, believe in a soul. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because um, you don't just like make that up and then like everybody believes in it right like it's not like it's not like you know like the chupacabra or Bigfoot like it's not like (laughs) I like that that's where your mind went where we compare souls to the chupacabra and Bigfoot. It's not a cultural <laughs> phenomenon, okay? It's something that multiple, multiple, multiple cultures acknowledge. And I thought that was really interesting. But I also found an article that stated that science has proven that souls exist. I've seen an article that said, um, or not an article, it was a study that talked about how much the soul weighed and it was like weighing bodies before and after they died and they were trying to estimate how much the soul weighed but it was 
kind of inconclusive. But how was it proven that souls exist? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these are too many big words for me. It's on psychology Some... today. Sometimes those articles, I think, need to be written by real people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cool, you're in academia, but, like, I would like to be able to understand what you're saying. I feel like that's a big problem with with smarter people. <laughs> okay, so this is what I'm reading. Okay. Traditional science has dismissed the soul as an object of human belief or reduced it to a psychological concept that shapes our cognition of the observable natural world terms life and death are thus nothing more than common concepts of biological life and biological death you and all the poets and philosophers that ever lived are just dust orbiting the core of the milky way galaxy bullshit i love that for me it reminds me of this thing that my dad's professor said and he said basically you're just a spit in the ocean um okay i don't like that that's a little more negative <laughs> that's too that's too mean <laughs> that's right you're just dust in the galaxy see that i'm fine with because like yeah i am dust and to dust i will return i love that for me but spit i don't want to be spit that doesn't make me feel good or assured <laughs> this is too much for me Reed. We can get into it on another episode. We can get a little, a little um, philosophical about the soul because the, your spirit, your spirit is like a big part of. It's like in the name spirituality, so it's worth talking about if we want to at a different time. But as of right now, we can we can leave it for Listen, now if you want. <laughs> if, if somebody wants to know about it. It's a, an article from Psychology Today by Robert Lanza, MD, who works specifically in biocentrism. And the article is, does the soul exist? Evidence says yes. New scientific theory recognizes life's spiritual dimension. Hmm. From December 21st of 2011. Hmm. Um we can post it in the show notes if you'd like. Yeah, it, it's not it's not hard to find if you Google it. With the astral body being your spirit of consciousness that's separate from your physical body, um, astral projecting is the idea that you are projecting your astral body, which is your spirit of consciousness, um, somewhere else, just away from your physical body. That could be across the room. Some people claim that they can fly to different places in the world while astral projecting. You can do this while asleep, or you can do this while awake in deep, deep meditation. Like I said, just want to disclaim here, I am not speaking from experience. I have never astral projected, so can't tell you what it's like. The article I found from Live Science is about the hype around astral projection and the power of suggestion. Um that is used there because astral projection like many other parts of metaphysical new age mm -hmm. spiritualism has been commercialized 
And so there's like guided meditation. Um, the power of suggestion is very powerful. Um, they don't really use the phrase power of suggestion in the article, but that's definitely what they mean. Um, and like I said, they talk about how useful astral projection would be in everyday life if it was scientifically proven. And in an episode, if I'm remembering correctly, of Sabrina, um, someone kind of astral projects, but they don't really. It's Roz. And she us- she's using her cunning sight um, to look into a mine that had collapsed to see if there was any remaining survivors. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. It might have been one of the aunties actually astral projecting but this is a good example of how a practical mm-hmm. like a practical use of astral projection so my memory i don't remember that but um ambrose mm-hmm. uses astral project projection to go on a date i remember that because he was under house arrest birds. he's under house arrest for like three million years yeah well he tried to blow up the vatican i mean it's fiction i mean that was pretty that's pretty serious i think he, he had a good reason though didn't he i don't remember i don't remember i don't think he he said that um he was running with a crowd of witches that um felt like they gave him purpose and they were kind of bad so and they they're the ones who plotted to blow up the vatican and the reason he got house arrest is because he wouldn't give up their names so that just good stitches he, yeah he was being a bro um but yeah astral projection comes up a lot in the chilling adventures of sabrina um and when you get towards the end of the time limit of your astral projection you start seeing birds and like the longer you stay the more birds you'll see and you don't want to see too many birds otherwise you might get stuck there i'm not entirely they don't really tell you what will happen a few times when sabrina astral projects i have a quote from a researcher in the life science article um she wrote something called beyond the body an investigation of the out-of-body experience Mm. um so she says People who experience astral travel have been found to score higher on measures of hypnotizability. I don't think that's a word. (laughs) And in several surveys on measures of absorption, a measure of a person's ability to pay complete attention to something and to become immersed in it, even if it's not real, like a film, play, or imagined event. Out-of-body experiencers are more imaginative, suggestible, and fantasy prone than average, though have low levels of drug and alcohol use and no obvious signs of psychopathology or mental illness. And I thought that was interesting. So she's saying your brain has to be all A-OK for you to ask, well, that's a bummer. (laughs) Well, she says, um, she says out of the ones she's seen or tested i'm not sure if she tested them but out of body experiencers are more imaginative and then they have low levels of drug and alcohol use and no obvious signs of mental illness so like there could be mental illness there most likely isn't 
but we don't know how big her sample size is. These are things we need to know when we're doing science. But the main thing I think is to have a strong ability to pay complete attention to something and become immersed in it. So like if you're reading a book and you're reading it so hard <laughs> that you become you like you're in the book, like you have painted the picture in your mind so vividly of the surroundings and the scene and the people, like I think that might indicate that you might be more prone to having an out-of-body experience such as astral travel. Okay. I'm going to relate this to my life real quick. Okay. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. So, back when I was in high school, um, to help me go to bed, and I, I used to immerse myself into this fantasy of me and this guy that I had a crush on going to an amusement park wait riding the ferris wheel and him giving me a kiss at the top of the ferris wheel and the thing is I would try to imagine like every single little detail like the smells the sounds how it looked all of it and I would make it so that it was so detailed that eventually my brain would just get tired and be like nah we're done and just pass <laughs> out and that's... that's when you described astral projection I was like wow I really was trying to astral project back in high school <laughs> that makes me think of um on TikTok there was this trend for a while I don't really know what it was because I it wasn't on my for you page I just saw YouTube videos about it that I didn't even fully watch something about like parallel universes like people were going to Hogwarts but like using their brains basically and they were convinced that like I think the word they were using was multiverse and so they were convinced that because they were making it so real in their brains that like it was real and that's what your story makes me think of um one time we're getting off topic here that's okay it's fine one time i heard about a video on tiktok that i could not find and it was about how this girl would hear noises that were not there and voices that were not there and somebody said somebody said well that's just the universe trying to communicate with you and i was like oh is it what's trying to say because that happens to me all the time um and it's actually just um symptoms of like anxiety depression bipolar yeah Um, that's oh my god that could be a whole fucking episode dude so the voices that i hear are not the universe trying to communicate with me and apparently that doesn't happen to everybody so they're you know what? Yeah, we're off topic, but this isn't the on topic show. So sorry. Um, There is a huge problem with. I made a post about this on World Mental Health Day, but I didn't even go in as in depth as I could have in my blog post. But there is a huge problem with like conflating mental health, self-treatment and practicing spirituality in the spiritual community and like it's not good (laughs) and 
it's okay if you have a spiritual path that like helps you ground yourself and makes you feel better with your mental health issues because that's how I deal with it but like I'm also like listening to my doctors so yeah that's a whole other topic that is a huge issue in the community and people who don't listen to their doctors are the ones who like kind of they're louder so they kind of make the rest of us look like we also don't listen to our doctors or science the universe isn't always trying to talk to you sometimes you just have anxiety and that's okay <laughs> like it's okay that the universe isn't talking to you sometimes I just have probably undiagnosed bipolar too yeah and that's okay um I mean I mean like if you want a diagnosis Ooh, to an extent to, yeah to an extent it's okay to an extent it's okay because it's not my fault right and it's okay because like it happened it's a whole th- like I could speak more eloquently on this if I hadn't like notes prepared but I don't all I'm all I'm gonna say is listen to your doctors sometimes it's not a sign sometimes you just need help and that's okay <sighs> so yeah astral travel that's a thing that's a very small overview of it um they say in the article the live science article that which i will link in the show notes they say that proving astral projection would be relatively easy because they could just put something in another room and then have someone who claims to astral project go in a different room astral project and then tell them all about the item like the color the shape the size everything about it um but like later on in the article they don't say yeah they don't follow up on that statement that it would be relatively easy to prove astral projection scientifically because the whole you would need to use the scientific method right you need to hypothesize test it and then make it repeatable i feel like that wouldn't be that hard to test it that way right but they don't follow up on it i think people just don't want to test it maybe I don't know. Moving on from astral projection, I have I have a small thing that I want to mention really fast because it's just like two sentences. There's an episode um, in season two called Dr. Cerberus's House of Horror. And the whole episode is this lady mm-hmm. who is Mrs. Wardwell in disguise um, reading tarot for um, all the cast, basically. Um, she does this thing that really irritates me Roz at this point Roz is blind her dad drops her off at Dr. Cerberus's which is like um like a shop slash diner they have food right I think it's like a comic book shop or a game shop or something like that like a Starbucks kind of excuse me a Barnes and Noble with a Starbucks inside (laughs) yeah um so her Roz's dad takes her inside and sits her down in a booth while he goes off and does something this lady who's reading tarot comes up to Roz and starts reading her cards for her without her permission this is a big no-no you should not read cards for people without their consent you should not read cards about people without their consent it's first of all it's rude and second of all it's kind of unethical so that really peeved me off however she does say this quote 
the tarot is just a mirror our fates are not fixed and I did like that because some people will get a reading and kind of be freaked out but tarot is just a mirror it's meant to reflect back your feelings and the situation at hand and the different paths you can take so I did like that but like the whole that's the whole issue with romance readings is that if the partner or person that you have a crush on doesn't know about the reading that's kind of sketch when it comes to ethics that's just a very small thing I have written down about tarot (laughs) from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina I also wrote down some stuff about Sabbaths and I wrote down some stuff about Baphomet um which one do you want to hear first go ahead with Sabbaths in season one, um, they celebrate Yule, and they have the Yule log in the fireplace. Sabrina, her parents are dead, which is sad. And she decides that this is when she wants to summon her mom to have a conversation with her, um, because she says that this is when the veil is the thinnest, the veil between our world and the spirit world. This is not the case. Yule is not when the veil is the thinnest. That would be Samhain, which is approaching. It's Samhain is basically Halloween. So Yule is Christmas. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it, it relates with Christmas. Yeah, well, it's not Christmas. Yule is, when, when I compare the Sabbaths, I compare them to the commercial holidays just to make it gotcha thank you more yeah it's not christmas it's because you know it's yuletide right so in pagan circles we observe what's called the wheel of the year um it's basically our holidays um or our sabbats we call them sabbats the specific ones i'm about to list are rooted in wicca which all in all takes bits and pieces from other practices and traditions the sabbats are in order from like january to december we have imbolc ostara which they do mention in the third season they call it um the hair moon um beltane litha lunasad mabon sawen and yule so we have two solstices two equinoxes and four fire festivals which are kind of like sandwiched in between all of these yule falls on the winter solstice So it's the longest night and shortest day of the year. And I think this is why the Sabrina writers decided to say this is when the veil is the thinnest because it's of the like extended darkness of that solstice, maybe. Um, But the the veil is thinnest on Samhain. As for Yule Logs, um, in Sabrina, they use it for protection. They They say they have to keep it lit all night to keep the spirits of what are called the Yule Boys at bay um, so they don't come in their house and just jack up their shit. The Yule Boys belong to Gryla. Yes, Gryla. Gryla, I don't really remember her shtick, but she takes kids. She Uh, takes the kids that aren't wanted, right? Gryla is described as a hideous being who is the mother of the gigantic Yule lads, a menace to children. Early on, the number and depiction of Yule lads varied greatly depending on location, um, with each individual lad ranging from a mere prankster to a homicidal monster who eats children. Shoo! They did uh, not put that in the show. They were all just little tricksters, little pains in the asses. 
actually no they did kind of intimidate aunt hilda with some knives but i don't think they were actually going to kill her um gryla is also referred to as a christmas witch and has a colorful gory history hmm Krampus's sour seasonal antics may have gotten their own movie, but something Gryla would do equally as well as a horror villain. The name Gryla translates as Growler, making her even scarier. Smithsonian quotes a historic passage about the tinsel-hating troll. Down comes Gryla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a sword in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of the children who cry for meat during Lent. Damn! ah that's not oof oof lent 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 is not even lent is that's a whole different part of the year gryla she actually didn't become associated with christmas till several centuries later when the idea of rampaging wish punishing naughty children fused with the yuletide atmosphere gotcha gotcha she's called an ogress by some though presumably not to her face (laughs) well that's way more about gryla than i previously knew I knew a little bit about Gryla. Hold on. What else can I find? Mental Mental floss. That's reliable. Meet Gryla, the Christmas troll who eats Iceland's naughtiest children. Okay, so she eats children. Okay. That is not really how they portray her in Sabrina. In Sabrina, she's more of a protector of children, it seems like. She might be the protector of the Yule lads. Oh, wow. Meet the 13 Yule Lads, Iceland's own mischievous Santa Clauses. Their names are, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Sheepcoat Claude, Gully Gawk, Stubby, Spoon Licker, Hot Licker, Bowl Licker, Door Slammer, Skier Gobbler, (laughs) Sausage Swiper, Window Peeper, Doorway Snipper, Meat hook, candle stealer, and then there's Gryla and her husband. Tag yourself, I'm spoon licker. I am doorway sniffer. <laughs> there's oh, <laughs> there's a bloodthirsty black cat called Christmas Cat that prowls around the country on Christmas Eve and eats anyone who's not wearing at least one new piece of clothing. Oh, in Iceland. In Iceland. Hmm. I've heard about Christmas Cat. I think they mentioned Christmas Cat in Morbid. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't Morbid. Maybe it was strange and unexplained. I don't know. The Yule Log can be used for protection. Um, but it doesn't have to be. Yule Logs are a tradition that kind of leaked over into popular culture, like, every once in a while. Like, Yule Logs are usually cakes, right? People will bake a Yule Log cake. <laughs> What did you read? A description of all the Yule lads. Sheepcoat Claude tries to suckle ewes in farmer's sheep sheds. Golly gawk, he steals foam from buckets of cow's milk. Stubby, he's short and steals food from frying pans. Spoonlicker, you want to guess? Um, I don't know. Maybe he licks spoons? Oh, yeah. Uh... Pot licker steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. That sounds helpful more than anything. Bowl licker steals bowls of food from under the bed. Door slammer stomps around and slams doors, keeping everyone awake. What an Skier asshole. Gobbler eats up all the Icelandic yogurt, which is also known as skier. Sausage swiper loves stolen sausages. 
Window peeper likes to creep outside windows and sometimes steal the stuff he sees inside. Door sniffer has a huge nose and an insatiable appetite for stolen baked goods. Meat hook snatches up any meat left out, especially smoked lamb. And candle beggar steals candles, which used to be sought after items in Iceland. <laughs> Andrew loves skier. We always have skier in our house. I love them. <laughs> Okay, so Gryla. Right, Gryla. That makes me feel better about... Because I knew they did their research. But, like... I don't know. Sometimes I felt like they were making characters up. Like Gryla. I thought maybe they were making her up. Oh, and Batty Bat? Batty Bat I thought was probably real. But I didn't look her up. Batty Bat's real. Okay. Um, For those listening who haven't watched it, Batty Bat is a sleep demon. Batty Bat is a mm, Wikipedia vengeful <laughs> demon found in the Ilocano folklore, which is the third largest Filipino ethno-linguistic group. Batty Bat takes the form of an ancient, grotesquely obese, tree-dwelling female spirit. Batty Bat forbids humans from sleeping near its post. When a person does sleep near it, the Batty Bat transforms into its true form and attacks the person by suffocating the victim and invading their dream space causing sleep paralysis and waking nightmares fun so it's not exactly true to folklore right but they do have a number of demons or entities beings characters etc from different lore like Beelzebub and um the other two I can't think of. Cain and Abel. I mean, I didn't see them yet, but I um, have Cain's Garden. Yeah, Cain's Garden mainly. I don't think Abel is, I don't know if Abel is mentioned. I don't remember. But they do have Cain's Garden. They have a garden that has dirt from Cain's Garden, which will bring things back to life, such as Salem or Auntie Hilda. Yeah, um... There's this really funny part in Batty Bat in Batty Bat's episode where she's giving everyone nightmares. Uh, there's a funny part. It was funny to me where um, Lucifer comes to visit Aunt Zelda and Hilda, and he wants to see Hilda, and he's like, "Where's your sister?" And she's like, "Am I my sister's keeper?" Which is funny because that's what Cain says about Abel because he killed her or he killed him and zelda killed hilda and it was funny to me and it happens often (laughs) yeah and um she didn't come back this time in the nightmare and zelda was fucking distraught um but it was fine you know it was fine sabrina saved the day good times good times um back to the the yule log so yule logs are cakes right people make yule log cakes I think I've seen a Yule log cake pan for sale on Amazon. The Yule log, Yule clog, or Christmas block is a specially selected log burnt on a hearth as a winter tradition in regions of Europe. Right, yeah. But do they make cakes? I think that's where it leaked over into popular culture. As far as, like, all I've seen are cakes. (laughs) I don't see people actually, at least not in America, like, actually burning a Yule log. Unless they're a witch. <laughs> Yule log cake or 
Bouche de Noël is a Christmas cake with a ritualistic cast cleverly shaped and decorated to look like a 3D log. The cake represents a melding of ancient midwinter traditions, one that celebrated the end of winter and another honoring the Norse god Thor. Yeah, so traditionally you decorate a log with like berries and pine cones and you burn a little bit of it the 12 nights leading up to Yule, like the 12 nights of Christmas or 12 days well, of Christmas. 12 days of Christmas is after Christmas. It starts on Christmas oh, and it goes well, until January 6th. Well, that's whack. Why is it like that? Christians believe that the 12 days of Christmas mark the amount of time it took after the birth of Jesus for the Magi or wise men to travel to Bethlehem for the Epiphany when they recognized him as the son of God. But wasn't he born in like April or something? Googling it. <laughs> I thought that was the whole thing is that he was born in April or September. Those are two very different months, but I don't know. Let's see. Live science says, when was Jesus born? Apparently not December 25th. <laughs> According to texts above, we can approximate the month of Jesus' birth to be around the time of Tishri, mid to late September. Ah. Hmm. But he's not a Capricorn. So again, 12 days of Christmas. Why after? Well, okay. The, well, hold on. The reason, this is a whole other thing too. If we wanted to do like a Sabbath episode, like a lot of pagan holidays were adapted to become Christian holidays. <laughs> so, so like that would explain the placement of Yule because there's not really a Sabbath in September. So they couldn't really steal one and be like, this is Jesus's birthday. <laughs> All right, here we go. My most recent Google search was Jesus Pagan. <laughs> the Jesus was... Mysteries. Was the original Jesus a pagan god? Jesus was just some guy, wasn't he? <laughs> Kaya is shrugging. <laughs> that, that should be the thumbnail for the summit. <laughs> In the episode. Jesus was a Jew. That's his whole thing. He's Jewish. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know the guy. <laughs> Born to Mary, wife of Joseph. Was Jesus a Jew? Of course Jesus was a Jew. He was born of a Jewish mother in Galilee, a Jewish part of the world. All of his friends. Is Are you reading something that says that? Yes. <laughs> That's so, they sound so offended. <laughs> But um I'm pretty sure it says all of his friends were Jewish. <laughs> um Hold on. When, I wanna find it. I wanna find it. When you're I Jewish wanna... when you're Jewish, it does get passed down like through your mom. It's a matriarchal society. Yeah. Oh, it says all of his friends, associates, colleagues, disciples, all of them were Jews. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I should narrate audiobooks. <laughs> well, Jesus wasn't born in December. He's not a Capricorn. That makes him like a Gemini or something. No, it, no, it doesn't. A Virgo, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I was like, I think I would know if Jesus was a Gemini. <laughs> Being a Gemini, I think I would know that. <laughs> Actually, wait, that wouldn't that would make him um no, that would make him a uh, Libra, which makes sense because he was a very pretty man. So Yule logs. <laughs> um, right. Um, so the whole twelve nights of leading up to yule i guess that's not like the 12 days of christmas because apparently that's after which doesn't make any sense but i digress <laughs> so traditionally you burn a little bit of the yule log the 12 nights leading up to yule the winter solstice bonfires and candles are a big thing during yule because darkness you can burn herbs that promote like protection abundance and prosperity on the yule log and in Sabrina, they, they they use it for protection. So Google says it is traditional to light a special Yule log on Christmas Eve. Oh, um, this one says that you burn it after Christmas, not leading up to. Or on Christmas Eve, leading up to the twelfth night of Christmas. I didn't look this up. This is just like based on like previous knowledge. Okay, so you do burn it through the twelve days of Christmas. I'm I'm what I'm saying is that you burn a little bit the twelve nights leading up to Yule. So you would burn it from December 14th to December 25th. That would be the, the plan. Listen, I'm seeing things that say that you start it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone. Just like everyone has a different Christmas tradition, it's the same for pagans. I guess. Like for me personally, I don't burn a Yule log because I don't have anywhere to burn one. Ooh, a traditional step-by-step guide to creating a Yule log beautiful you logs are very pretty you need one large log a drill holly ivy or other winter greenery mushrooms wire or a glue gun for fastening elements to log thin wax dinner candles is this meant to be burned seasonal oils apples and pomegranates go out and find a large sturdy log apply greenery drill small holes and put candles in them. Incense. Rub essential oils. That'll be great if you're an essential oil bitch. What? You don't burn the log. They're just burning the candles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This this log, this sounds like something from Pinterest. And also, it- another thing is that a lot of people <laughs> think you... The website is called anothermag.com. Um, a lot of people think you need certain things to, like fulfill just bring in a stick from the woods (laughs) you don't like overall being a witch people think you need like a bunch of crystals and and an athame and and a chalice and all this stuff you don't need all that stuff doing magic and celebrating sabbats you can work with what you have you don't need you don't need what all this person on another mag.com told you you need but yeah that's that's yule it's not when the the veil is thinnest but there is a yule log they didn't get it totally wrong they they also do like some kind of blessing um next to the yule log in the episode and yule is a time where you want to ask for blessings they don't totally get it wrong and i appreciate that they do get a little bit off kilter but it's not like it's more than we usually get do you know what i mean (laughs) i mean 
we got off kilter a lot in this episode. <laughs> um, and as for Sawen, when the veil is the thinnest, I mean, we can get in that into that in a separate episode or whatever. I mean, it might be topical, seeing as it's coming up in the next two weeks. I don't know. They also mentioned Lupercalia. Um, I don't have a lot on this, but it is an ancient Roman festival that is used to purify the city and promote health and fertility. They, what I read about it, they got this pretty accurate in the episode that's about Lupercalia. As far as the history goes, it's about um, Romulus and Remus, um, the two like figures. Yeah, the ones who were raised by the she-wolf. You know, it's a it's a fertility festival. So, and there's sacrifices and all that stuff. So, I don't really have that much on it. I do have a website pulled up, though. No one knows the exact origin of Lubricalia, but it has been traced back as far as 6th century BC. Here is what it is. According to Roman legend, the ancient king Amulius ordered Romulus and Remus, his twin nephews and founders of Rome, to be thrown into the Tiber or Tiber River to drown in retribution for their mother's broken vow of celibacy. Whack. A servant took pity on them and placed them in a basket in the river, and the river god carried the basket down to a wild fig tree where it got caught in the branches and that's where they are rescued by the she-wolf. When the brothers grew up, they killed the uncle who ordered their death. They found the cave den of the she-wolf who nurtured them, and they named it Lubercal. Hence, Lubercalia. Is this, which one is this on the Wheel of the Year? So this is not on the Wheel of the Year, but it is a Sabbath that a lot of pagans, or well, it is a Sabbath that pagans celebrate. Um, Specifically, like, Hellenistic pagans um, practitioners may celebrate Lupercalia. Like I remember around February, there were some of my mutuals that were saying they were preparing for Lupercalia, um, preparing offerings for whoever their patrons, patron gods and goddesses were. Um, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about it. So all I know is that it's a fertility festival. And they do still hold it. It's just clear. It's very much not the same as it used to be because there was like ritual sacrifice of goats and things like that. Um, people ran around naked. I and, yeah. I, I don't think they would be allowing that anymore. <laughs> and um, there was matchmaking happening. So um, apparently they still celebrate it in Rome, though, which is kind of oh. cool. Oh yeah, the festival is also associated with the god Faunus, and um, Faunus is an ancient Italian rural deity um, who is pretty similar to the Greek god Pan, and these are the horned gods, um, two of the horned gods, there's a few horned gods, but when people see a horned god, they usually think, ah, Satan, it's usually not Satan. I... Um, saw something about pan on the um wikipedia page but i can't find it anymore well the thing is is that um pan uh the green man baphomet all the horn gods they're usually taken and what's the word i'm looking for um twisted to be that satanic image that the church wants you to fear 
And so that's what, kind of how we got that image of Satan. You reached the episode with the green man, correct? I didn't. I'm really curious about it, though. I have a friend who, um, whose patron god is the green man. I think I remember her saying that she didn't like how they portrayed him in Sabrina. But I can't remember if that was her. They, they did Pagan's Dirty. Oh, I believe it. I mean, it's like I said, like they're the very basis of the show before like before Sabrina's like, hey, no, I don't like this. Like the basis is that all witches are Satanists. Like that's not great for us. And that just went over my head because I was like, yeah, another portrayal of witches being Satanists. Like uh, I'm not surprised. So um, it's funny you just said that because I just pulled up a page on everything chilling adventures of sabrina season three got wrong about pagans and old gods much like the depiction of satan worshiping <laughs> much like the depiction of satan worshiping witches in the series which aren't really a thing these pagans are purely fictional and not meant to represent real life practitioners i did get to the part in season three where they said that the old gods were reawakening and things like that so i'm sure that episode is coming and I probably will keep watching Sabrina until I'm done um, just to see, like, because I like, I'm a completionist. Yeah, I hope it's not upsetting. <laughs> the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is generally disliked, is my general perception among the community. And, like, I get it. Um, I think the story, the writing, though, the storytelling is pretty good. So... I don't know. Part of me is willing to... I also don't have any patron gods or goddesses that are being misrepresented in this show, though. So I think that's something worth noting. Like, um, if I was a follower of Green Man and I saw him in the show and he was not being represented properly, that might be upsetting to me and might overtake the good storytelling. I don't know, but... I can respect that people are upset by it. So one of the things that it says on here is pagans claim to worship old gods, but the old gods are among them. Why would Pan and Circe walk among their own worshippers? It looks like they just kind of didn't do the research that they should have on paganism. I'm thinking that or they just didn't respect it. Yeah, the thing about pagan gods and for example like greek gods um they're especially greek gods greek gods get it the worst they are used as storytelling devices and a lot of people don't consider that people practice hellenism like real people believe in those gods just as much as someone would believe in the christian god but speaking of gods there is a statue of baphomet or Baphomet, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to say Baphomet because it's originally a French word. Um, there's a statue of him prominently featured in the first season and most of the second season in the Academy of Unseen Arts. Yeah, in the, like, rotunda. Yeah. Um, so, a little bit about Baphomet. He is a horn god, like Pan and the Green Man, etc., he dates back to the Order of the Knights Templar, which is a Catholic military military order, um, which is back in like the like it ended around 1312. And the French occultists 
I'm gonna I feel like I'm gonna butcher his name Eliphas Levi um he depicted Baphomet in 1856 and I will describe this image to you but I'm sure if you've seen it before you know what it looks like it's a a man's body um with goat's hoofs a goat head and big horns a torch on the back of his head a pentagram on his forehead large wings he has like the medical serpent thing that i forget what it's called on his stomach um he has one hand pointing down and one hand pointing up and there's something inscribed on them but i can't remember but it's meant to represent like as above so below um and the original baphomet has women's breasts and the reason for all of this is to depict balance so man and woman um human and animal above and below good and evil that's the purpose of baphomet you might remember in 2015 the satanic temple commissioned a statue of baphomet and there was a huge issue with it but the reason they were doing it was to protest public display of the christian ten commandments in a public space this version of baphomet that they had commissioned does not have the feminine chest and personally i disagree with this choice but the reason they decided to do it is they didn't quote unquote didn't want to get into a debate about gender that would distract from the main message of baphomet and instead they used a statue of like a boy and a girl on each side of him like a like a child um to convey that part of baphomet's duality um i think we could do a whole episode on satanism because people don't know what the fuck it is it looks like the boy is not white i need to look at it again looking at the image like it looks like he has and some of these hair like a black person would but yeah i also i don't know if that's what they were trying to depict because the girl like looks like she could be white and maybe that also represents balance i don't know i sure hope not i don't like that i'm seeing a lot of different pictures of the 2015 like some of them the kids look different and some of them they don't i wonder if there's multiple statues because i thought there was only one that they like moved from place to place that's a good point you know um personally i don't like the fact that they used a boy and a girl instead of just giving him the chest but i also would understand that giving him female breasts would like maybe make it harder for them to display him publicly because of the whole issue of women being shirtless which is a whole other freaking topic that i just don't have the energy for right now but um yeah we could do a whole episode on satanism because people don't know what it is and it's not it's not a religion so that's all the stuff i wrote down for season one and season oh wait i forgot um (laughs) uh stolas what is stolas please stolas stolas is um uh so miss wardwell or lilith has a little bird companion and and he's a raven and his name is stolas and i wanted to talk about him because i've always thought stolas is kind of cool and neat um 
it's more demonology but like he is in the show yeah he's one of the great princes of hell and he's usually portrayed as a crowned owl a raven or a man and they chose to go with raven in the show but personally i think the owl looks the coolest um the owl is cute i know right um he teaches astronomy and he knows the value of precious stones and different attributes of herbs and i just think he's neat i've heard of stolas on tumblr there is a show called hasden hotel and there is a character named stolas in it is that where you heard of it no it was actually they were actually talking about the great prince of hell oh shit i'm surprised (laughs) yeah i just think he's neat i think the drawing of him from 1863 um which you can find on the internet super cute (laughs) he's adorable like i love his little crown and his long little legs his little eyes he's just a little great prince of hell yeah so i just think he's neat (laughs) um but that's literally all i have for season one and season two um is you know the sabbaths baphomet uh astral travel familiars um which is a gender neutral term and stolas oh and also don't read tarot without people's consent that's rude and unethical i want to see if i can find this damn post right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ah i found it yes it says you people should learn about the godic demons goetic godic i don't know i don't know demons like for example this is prince stolas he is a long-legged owl demon who teaches knowledge about astronomy and herbs to anyone who conjures him. What's not cool about an owl demon? I I can't tell you because you know what? There's nothing not cool about just a little guy trying to teach you about stars and plants. Do you have any questions about witchcraft that you can think of right now? Or no. Or like pagan stuff? Everything, all the questions I had I asked while we were recording okay so yeah um that was sabrina Um, sorry we didn't watch more of it but we watched i feel like we watched quite a lot or at least i did for you know like the amount of time i was given yeah i mean i wish i had maybe like gone back and looked at it but honestly i kind of just forgot but there's a lot that came back to me as i was just like talking about it Mm -hmm. and the episodes aren't short so (laughs) it's not like a small feat or anything um so yeah uh let us know your thoughts on sabrina i'm very curious um do you prefer the old one do you prefer the new one the animated Uh, animated yeah the animated version and next week the plan is to talk about wandavision which i'm excited to rewatch that because i haven't watched it since the first time i watched it and it was amazing nice so you can support us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. I would really love for this to be the week where I'm not the only patron. <laughs> um, With the $2 a month, you get early access to episodes and you also get the video version of the episode. If you can't support us on Patreon, please follow us on all the things um, at Movie Witch Podcast, at Movie Witch Pod. I think that's it. I had something to say. No shit. What was it about? us what about us patreon what about patreon i don't remember
Oh, fuck. <laughs> There's also a $7 tier where you get bonus episodes and you can request episodes for the next season. We're working on getting Kaya a mic. That's what it was. That's what it was. That was what it was. If you support us on Patreon, you can help get me a headset or a microphone. So you don't have to hear my dog squeaking in the background. <laughs> yes, we would greatly appreciate it. All of the funds we earn are going back into the podcast. So we appreciate any and all support, monetary or otherwise. Okay, bye witches. Bye witches. Thank you.